And basically, my leg went one way, my body went the other way, and my knee completely laterally dislocated. I did then start to maybe think, maybe they, I do need some help, maybe I do need to speak to somebody. Back then, the thought of, of being able to open up without alcohol was, was again, something that I, I, I never thought I'd be able to do. But it's more about stretching your, your mind and your, yeah, your idea of what's possible for you. Hey, hope you're keeping well. I'm Brian Moylet, former rugby player, now high-performance mindset coach, and welcome to the pod. This podcast is about well-being and high-performance, and in it, you will learn how you can be happier, more fulfilled, and more successful in what you're doing. I recently wrote the book on how you become a pro rugby player, Forward by Robbie Henshaw, which went to number one in the charts, and you can get this now on Amazon and Audible, with the links in the show notes. Please connect with me now over on social media at Brian Moylet at Offfield Rugby and my website is offfieldrugby.com. If you enjoy the pod, please subscribe to it and leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. And also, you can send it on some friends. Would really appreciate that. All right, we'll get into today's episode. Cheers. Hey, hope we're keeping well. Today, I'm chatting with Anthony Andrews, who is a former pro rugby player now yoga teacher and movement and mindset coach. He had to retire at 25 due to a catastrophic knee injury while playing in the English Championship. So a few places we could start, Anthony, and thanks, Mill, for jumping on. But yeah, chat to me about that knee injury and having to step away. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was playing for London Scottish in the English Championship. Um, it was New Year's Day 2012, so midway through the season, season was going well, um, was starting most games, to be honest, in the championship and, yeah, really feeling like I was finding my flow again back in the championship. I, I, I played for London Welsh a few years prior, um, a couple of games in the championship when I was young and then got loaned out to Barking and played in the National Leagues for a few years. This was my first season back in the championship the championship with London Scottish and yeah, like it was a, a, a rainy day, boggy pitch. Like I remember warming up for the game and just going, Oh, this is, this is a slog. <laughs> um, but we got into the game and it was, it was a real competitive game. You know, I, I felt like I was having a really good, good match. Um, and yeah, I think it was, I think it was in the second half. I can't exactly remember. I made a, we made a double tackle. So I was made the high tackle. So I tried to wrap up the ball, managed to stay on my feet, done the whole starfish hands off um, and went to plant my left leg on the ground to go down for the jackal. But as I planted that left leg, I remember my boot slipping out to the side at that exact moment, their tight head prop, who was um, a USA international, came in and hit me from one side. Somebody else hit me from the other side. And basically, my leg went one way, my body went the other way, 
and my knee completely laterally dislocated. Um, so the lower part of my leg was kind of like to the side. I'd snapped basically everything in my knee. And as the knee dislocated, it actually fractured the bone in my, in my lower leg as well. Um, cartilage was you know, blown, everything. And um, so, yeah, like I remember at the time, the noise and the, the, the sensation of it was just, just <laughs> completely rank. And um, yeah, I remember just lying back on the pitch with my hands on my face trying to breathe, going like, what the hell has just happened to me? Um, and then the physios ran on, the doctors ran on. And yeah, I rem- I'll never forget this. My, I think the team doctor at the time, because everyone was flapping around like, what are we doing? What, what, what should we do? They were trying to feel the pulse in my foot because apparently there's a, there's a main artery running down the leg. So if, and if you lose the pulse in the foot, it could be, a sign that there's damage to this main artery. So um, I remember the team doctor saying to everyone around, right, everyone, this is a limb-threatening injury. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell have I done? Um, so anyway, they, they, they looked at me. I looked up to the, the, the doctor and said, and we need to try and get the leg back into place um, now. So just to warn you, we're going to try and relocate the knee. Um, so, yeah, I think it was the, the physio from the other team tried to, yeah, basically put my knee back into joint on the pitch. And that was when the pain just hit me and I was like screaming the stadium down, apparently. I, I, I still speak to some teammates and they were like, and that was the most traumatic thing I think I've ever seen on the pitch. Um, and anyway, they couldn't get it back into place. They got me on a stretcher. They tried again in the physio room um, in the stadium couldn't again relocate the knee because that, by that point my body had started to really tense up because of, of the pain um so yeah I got in an ambulance went to Leeds General Hospital and eventually they managed to drug me up enough to relax my leg so they can um, get the leg back into alignment and then yeah went through a, a course of four major procedures operations over the preceding six months and yeah worked with a physio for two years um relearning to walk relearning to run and yeah I mean it, well, I was 25 about to turn 26 really coming into my own as a player um and yeah in that moment it was boom it was it was done it was all over um which was devastating um, but also um, enlightening at the same time, looking back, it was, it was definitely a first step on this transformational journey I've been on ever since. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't want to say it was a necessary part of my journey, but it was a part that I now look back on as, um, as one that, has actually really helped me in a weird way um, and led me into doing the things that I do now, which, you know, things like teaching yoga, which there's no way in a million years if that hadn't happened, I would have been doing that. Or working as a holistic health coach, a mindset coach, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be in that place now because I probably wouldn't have had to 
address the things that I've addressed because of that moment um, that's given me the, yeah, the tools, the insights, the um, personal experience to, to, to now hold that space for other people going through challenges, whether that's challenges of transition, challenges of um, coming back from an injury, challenges of, yeah, improving their health, improving their mindset. Um, so, yeah, in a weird way, I'm grateful for that experience now. Yeah, I understand you when you say that. And talk to me about, you mentioned there, um, getting answers or having to, that journey. Talk to me more about that. So, I guess for about five or six years, I, I ignored the signs for um, looking at certain things, looking at myself. I, throughout the rehab process, I um, weirdly enjoyed it. I, I quite liked, I remember speaking to someone on a podcast the other day and they said they the same thing about the, the, the process of rehab was actually quite, um, yeah, quite, quite rewarding because the progress that you make is, is, is crazy. Like, you know, relearning to walk, relearning to run again. I remember the first time I ran post-injury um, was about 15, 16 months later after the injury. And I was like, it was amazing. Like, um, and, but once I got myself fit again after those two years, I got straight into rugby coaching. Um, so I was, I was involved in the game the whole time. Um, and I guess looking back now, I was in the same kind of energy as I was as a player. So very much um, all or nothing, very much, you know, do everything to win at all costs. And that included not looking after myself um, physically, mentally. You know, I was a very stressed coach, like a lot of pressure, um, put a lot of pressure on myself to... Um, to, to work hard and all these things that we learn as a rugby player, like, you know, work hard and you'll get the results. So it's like, right, as a coach, I need to work even harder now because I'm in charge of a team. So that energy of working hard without any um, awareness of the, the importance of rest, for instance, the importance of, um, yeah, recovery, downtime, I, I didn't I didn't understand that for a long time still because it was the same as when I was a player I, I, I understood this energy of you know even with my training like I'm gonna really beast my body so I can turn into a beast so I can be a rugby player and take hits and you know manage contacts and things like that um, and yeah I guess as a player I didn't learn the value in in rest, recovery, and ultimately looking after my mind and looking after my body a little bit better. Um, I just saw myself and my body as, as, a, as a vehicle to, yeah, to, 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 to fire through things. So it was very much you know, all fire, all fiery energy, which I guess is, is, a, is a very kind of masculine um, energy, right? Um, so, 
so I was in that energy for five, six years post-injury. And then I got to a point where I simply burnt out. Um, I was head coach of a, of a big rugby club. I was um, doing a teacher training course. And I was also running retreats as well. So I, I'd, I was doing so much, very much in the doing busy yang energy mode and i remember saying to this someone someone this the other day that it, it was the school summer holidays i just finished and i was running pre-season for my club but during the day i literally didn't leave my house i was single at the time as well and i just laid in bed laid on the couch um just completely exhausted completely lost to be honest with you I had so many things on the external that you know were going well I was a I was a head coach a level three coach um you know still a young coach um had success as a coach was teaching having an impact with you know hundreds of kids in a school I was running retreats and and helping um you know facilitate people's transformations and and I looked at myself and I was like, I can't even look after myself right now. Um, like, what is going on? Like, you know, some, I, something has to change because this energy and this way of doing things that I'm currently doing, that I've always maybe done my whole life, is, is not serving me right now because, yeah, I felt crap. And, you know, I, I never reached out for any help or anything at this time because that's not what I did back then um but then yeah in that summer yeah I guess I guess that I, I did then start to maybe think maybe though I do need some help maybe I do need to speak to somebody and um I had this chance uh, meeting with a guy that I was um following online I think you've had him on the podcast Craig White um, and I was um, in Richmond uh, which is a, a part of London along the river drinking with my friend just you know just chatting chatting breeze whatever um, and Craig walks past the river he's right in front of me and I'm like I recognize this guy. This is the guy that's into rugby, talks about things like yoga. Because um, I think the previous year I'd started doing a little bit of yoga to help manage myself, but not really fully into it. And yeah, I, I guess I followed that sign of I was meant to see him. This was meant to be. So I reached out to him that next day and we booked a call. And yeah, arranged a um, one-day intensive. And yeah, I, ultimately, he opened a, a doorway for me to explore myself and the different parts of myself, which I didn't even really know existed, to be honest. And that was the parts of my, yeah, my mentality, my emotions. And, um, and yeah, and I guess from that day, that was in 2018, um, fast forward to now, nearly five years on, um, it's been a, 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 an amazing journey where I've 
essentially opened myself up to looking at all the nooks and crannies that I could find about myself um, from, yeah, the, the, the relationships of my life to the relationship with myself, the relationship to different parts of myself, to understanding myself. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was that chance meeting and that serendipitous moment of, yeah, seeing a, a coach, a mentor that, that opened me up. Um, and I, and I didn't know that's what I needed. Um, I, I, I just felt that I needed something to help maybe instigate a, a change, um, from that, 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 kind of dark place that I was in, in in 2018 that summer yeah talk to me about that so you mentioned there like doing so much externally your run retreats teacher head coach of a rugby team you're ticking loads of boxes and I'm sure a year or two before that you would have thought if only I could do x y and z and then you're doing x y and z and then that leads you to, like you say, burning out and lying there on the couch and um, yeah, not know, knowing what's happening. And I think that's just so common with different people. Lots of people have certainly been there myself and you're, yeah, just chasing the external things. Chat to me a bit about, and you mentioned their energy and um, yeah, just how are things different now? So as, as you were asking that question, this idea of balance um, came into my mind and this uh, idea of balancing forces and energies. Um, so it, like I, I sometimes wear this T-shirt um, because it, it helps remind me and, and, and it helps yeah, just frame these ideas. So I was very much in this fiery energy for most of my life, especially those years post-injury. I felt like I still had something to prove. Um, so it was all push, 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 force, force, force outcomes. Um, what Craig essentially opened the doorway to was this energy down here, which is the energy of the opposing force to the fire, which is the water. And this is the energy of essentially your emotions um so and i guess looking back to this time where i was in this fire fire energy i was, I was th i've been thinking about this a lot recently about um so i talked to a lot of rugby dads about relationships with things like alcohol um and and, and i see that this 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 almost dependence on things like alcohol is 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 kind of like trying to dampen down this fire element with some sort of fluid and water element. <laughs> um, and, and looking back, I used to do that a hell of a lot. I used to drink to, 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 to relax um, in, 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 in adverting commas um, because I think maybe subconsciously it's like the, 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 my body, my being is craving that wateriness, that watery softness, that, 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 that idea of flow. So I talk about the, the energies of force and flow. And I guess what's changed for me now is, is 
building that ability to tap into use that fire element because I, I don't want to sit here and say it's a, a wrong energy to have it's not it's, it's a it's a potent powerful energy but there is that understanding and the embodiment now of this sense of flow and 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 understanding that there's also a huge amount of power and um and potential in that other side of the coin you can call this energy more of a kind of feminine energy that idea of rhythm and 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 flow um so and 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 that's ultimately what i've I think yoga has helped me with the most because it's allowed me to really embody that energy. So if you think about going to the gym where you work hard, you do your conditioning, that's a very fiery yang energy. Whereas a yoga practice, you, you're, you're sitting still for a few minutes, you're, you're, you're connecting with the flow of your breath, you're moving your body in a, in a more soft and gentle way, you're, you're, you're moving into stillness, into postures and you're breathing and it's, and you always finish with relaxation, a final pose where you, where you literally just lay there and you're still. So yoga really started to teach me this other energy, which, um, which, yeah, now I, I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy lifting weights. I enjoy the conditioning that I've always enjoyed. But I also really enjoy stepping into a yoga studio or practicing some really gentle movement or, you know, connecting with nature, even swimming, connecting with water through through outdoor swimming and 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 not solely relying on this energy of force to to, you know, do the things that I want to do in life. So whether that's running a business, whether that's training, whether that's um managing my relationships because I think ultimately this has really helped me with being a being a dad like understanding this energy of flow and and slowness and stillness because you can't be in that fiery energy with a with a newborn baby because a newborn baby is chilled it's well for the most part chilled and um so like that fiery uh, uh, energy is 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 very it's very difficult to connect with a very young child in that energy. Whereas if you, you know, I, I feel grateful that I found practices like yoga before becoming a dad because, you know, I speak to a lot of dads now. I work with a lot of rugby dads, and they tell me that they they struggle to connect with the, the really young children. It's like you know the amount of dads that have said to me, "Oh, you, you know, the first eighteen months, two years, you know, is a bit boring with with." kids wait till they you know running around and you can actually do more and they can do more but I completely disagree now because I, I I found so much beauty and magic in those first few months few few years of, of um yeah because my, my boy is about to turn two and we've got another one on the way and it's 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 me embodying these energies that has allowed me to to, to really um, reap the benefits of fatherhood um, to, 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 yeah, to, to come back to, you know, what life is like now. Um, you know, I'm not as busy and as stressed and as pressured as I was. You know, if I think back to that time in 2018 where I was a busy teacher, busy rugby coach, busy yoga and, and, and wellness retreat host, 
I wouldn't have had time to sit and be still with a newborn baby. Um, you know, I would have been too busy. I'd have been too, you know, I'd, I would have had too much things to do. Um, so, yeah, tapping into this energy of the water element, the earth element, the feminine energy has allowed me to slow down enough to connect with these, you know, really young beings. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm like, buzzing about the arrival of number two which is yeah is is well anytime now my missus is 39 weeks pregnant and um yeah i'm, I'm so excited um whereas you know I, I speak to a lot of dads they, they're, they're terrified of of that that time because you know there's no better mirror than a child to to let you know where you are potentially out of alignment um and it's it's triggering but it's also you know I speak to clients all the time your triggers are your your doorways to 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 to, to growth ultimately um so yeah I'm not sure what even your question was there but <laughs> hopefully that was an answer that was uh was 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 interesting and, and useful for people yeah no it's so cool um that you mentioned that and how yeah for people listening your t-shirt there's yeah fire and water essentially on one on one side of it and it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that and that kind of push push go harder work more do more energy and that being the fire and that's certainly what i would have understood when i was younger growing up as a teenager early 20s the more 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 you can do and you get reward from that. You know, you then, like you say, you become stronger physically. You play better rugby. You get lots and lots of rewards from it. So many rewards. And I've spoken to different people on here and we can go, I know you've spoken about alcohol on Instagram and you just mentioned it there. And Joe Van Niekirk was another one, the old South African umbrellator, spoke about his drinking. And when I think back, when I left school at the age of 17 i drank every single weekend bar the weekend before the all Ireland league final for five six years and when i was in college i would have been drinking more than once a week and that's when i was playing underage for Ireland and involved in stuff like that but i would have been drinking twice a week most weeks three times and for me back then it makes sense now in that there are other things to play but you're pushing so hard and you need a release from it you need a release like you say that water energy you need a release and the alcohol gives you that release it gives you that release and it's funny then <laughs> you mentioned craig white craig white said on the podcast that the body does not remember anything that happens when you're drinking so that alcohol gives you we'll say the lubricant to then go dancing and do all this kind of stuff and i'll be straight up honest that when i was 19 20 not proud of it looking back now but if someone was to say go dancing when you're sober i'd have said no that's gay and behind that would have been insecurity not that i was gay or my best friend is gay but like just that that and I, not that i knew anything but it's feminine energy that, so I could have said if I was on more if I wasn't so ignorant and understood better that 
I would have said, no, that's feminine energy. And the idea of feminine energy would have scared me because I got all my reward, all my, my footing in society, my acknowledgement from that fire energy. So the thought of me switching out of that scared me so much that I would never even imagine doing it when I was sober. But I suppose somewhere subconsciously, I enjoyed it so much when I was drunk. Don't get me wrong, you know, after a match, dancing and being just, yeah, like letting that guard down and being loose and being free or whatever. Everyone knows exactly what it is and um, being silly. And yeah, it's so funny, just the need for both. And um, yeah, I see it just last on myself. Um, when around 2018, uh, I got depressed, you know, my shoulder six years ago now when I was 25. And when I was kind of coming out of that, I was in Vancouver and Joe Rogan, I used to listen to him all the time back then. He was doing hot yoga and I, mm. he explained the challenge of it. And I kind of thought, you know what, I liked the challenge. You know, it wasn't about the the flow, the slowing down. The He was talking about how difficult it is. And I was, my body was still quite banged up. I was getting out of it, but, you know, one of my friends was going to hot yoga and I said, I'll go too, because Joe Rogan went. And I went there and I, I experienced that, exactly what you're saying, that um, that flow, that different energy. And um, yeah, now it's something I'm going to bring more awareness to, but it's funny that about two months ago, I started going back to F45. After my concussion last year, I really couldn't lift for about eight or nine months. Cause I would get headaches and 10 months, 11 months. Anyway, I love training. Like you say, you like lifting weights. I love it. Cause I, I do love it. That fire energy, that push, but um, it's really funny about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, subconsciously, I just started stretching after, you know, and I'm, my body's good. But so now after a 45 minute session, I'll do 20 minutes stretching. And it's funny. I walk down those stairs after then feeling really loose and free. And whereas when I didn't, for the first four or five weeks, I was kind of tight and and not just tight kind of physically in the muscles, but you just feel quite kind of ten a little bit tense, even though you've got that workout, you've got that you've got that um blowout in and the bot and you've got those endorphins, yeah, you feel somewhat tense. So um yeah, it's bringing awareness to the day to have the, the mix of both. Hey, Brian here. I work one-on-one with rugby players, helping them perform better on the field, enjoy it more, and maximize their careers. If you feel like there's more in you and don't want to have regrets down the line, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation. And the link is in the show notes. On the call, you talk to me about where you're at now, what you would like to achieve, and I'll show you how I can help you get there. You then go off and decide if you want to invest in yourself and move forward with the one-on-one coaching. For teams, I do mental skills sessions over Zoom. Players will have mindset shifts on the call, but also they'll get exercises to practice going forward. So it's like an S&C program, but for your mental strength. If you're a coach or manager of a team, you can book a free 30-minute Zoom consultation now as well on offfieldrugby.com. If you have any other questions, you can get in touch with me through my social media 
at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby, or the website, offfieldrugby.com. All right, cheers. We'll get back into today's episode. Yeah, so true. Um, I've, I've just come back to what you were just maybe talking a little bit more about alcohol. Um, because something came into my mind as you were talking there again. And, and I think this has run through my mind a few times, but I've never actually said it. But you mentioned about um, the alcohol being a lubricant. And, I, and, and it's so true. Like my, my journey with dancing was very similar to you as well. Like I... I loved to dance when I was, well, throughout my rugby days, my early days as a, as a, a youngster on rugby tours. In those early tours, you're probably 15, 16, where you maybe drink for the first time because there's a few cans available and blah, blah, blah. And I got a nickname, Billy Elliot. I don't know if you've ever heard of the film or seen the, the film. It's about this kid that dances and and throughout my teenage years I was known as Billy after Billy Elliot um and it was this playful part of me that used to come out on the dance floor after drinking and 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 like you back then the thought of of being able to open up without alcohol was was again something that I, I I never thought I'd be able to do um, and I think that was a massive part of, of my healing journey was the year um, 2019, I decided to do a whole calendar year without drinking anything. And up to that point, you know, I was a head coach of a rugby team, I used to drink most weekends, I'd drunk most, like a lot throughout my rugby career, again, most weekends. Um, so I remember saying to people, I'm not going to drink for a year. And the amount of people, friends, family members that laughed when I said that because it was so out of the ordinary, right, for, for a rugby lad to go, I'm not drinking for a year, even though I was still very much involved in rugby. Um, and there was a few moments, few events, like one of my best friend's wedding was that year. And all my mates were like, yeah, but you, you're going to drink for Shanna's wedding, aren't you? And I was like, I don't think I am, no. In fact, I know I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Um, and I had like one of the best nights ever. I was dancing. I was like, and 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 I and I was like, shit. I, I don't need the alcohol. Like, and and what I also wrote down here was this word playful. It's like bringing in this playful energy and feeling safe to bring in that playful energy. And yeah, to to, to almost kind of challenge what Craig has said about not the body not remembering. I think I think the body knows that the body craves that playfulness. The body craves that um, it's almost a connection with your inner child. That I think alcohol is a lubricant and 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 does enable that to happen. So again, I I genuinely believe that alcohol is um, is something used. For people to access that childlike inner child playful state that they maybe feel unsafe to access as an adult um, but it's safe to do that when you've had a few drinks because the next day you could go yeah I was drunk last night I was acting a bit of an idiot and you can almost kind of go 
oh, I'm back to adult mode now. I can be this serious, you know, um, person, this serious adult. But the, 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 the alcohol almost gives us that, 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 uh, that invitation to be playful, to be silly. And, and you know, I, I've had a, a, a journey with alcohol and I used to see it as a really bad thing. But looking back now, I'm actually really grateful that it did open that doorway for me to be playful in those times where I felt unsafe to be playful. Um, and, and yeah, and it's, it, I guess, getting to the place where you don't necessarily need that alcohol to tap into that is this journey of, of, of accessing these different energies within us. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that lands for you. Yeah. Um, those those thoughts. Yeah, I understand what you mean, and and not to misquote Craig, but the way uh, that listen back, but the way he said it was, it did sound very. I agreed in that, you know when. And I'm, you know, for for me it happens if I'm walking along, and I'm feeling great. And I start listening to some music that I love now in the last year or two, or year, I don't know, the last period of time, I'll start nearly skipping. You know, like I'll just start moving different. You know, I'm, I'm feeling great. The sun is out and this music just goes through your body. And I'm just like, you know, and I, I'm just like dancing along, literally. And it's funny, it actually happened to me. <laughs> A couple of days ago very recently i was literally like like that in my own world and i saw a young lad that i coach and for a split second i got kind of embarrassed but i wasn't like i just kind of i kind of got brought back into the real world put it that way he was like waving at me you know <laughs> he was like waving at me and then like i kept and then i saw him in the corner of my eye and i was like oh gee i'm in the world here you get me i was just so in my own world and then i was like not that i got embarrassed i was yeah. kind of like oh gee like kind of yeah brought back to but essentially there's a difference between that energy and when you're pissed drunk dancing do you get me it's not the same if you're, yeah, if you're yeah, drinking yeah. seven days a week dancing and it's different there's more and it's true it's like yeah. when you're sober it's like a, it's a life force i don't know how to explain it but i'm and don't get me wrong i'm not when you were speaking there about being sober dancing i'm not at a point personally where it's like I'm so free and open and this and that that if I were to go to a party that I'll just jump up and start dancing like I wouldn't because you know I, I just personally am there and it's not to say you know like there will be a bit of I don't know um restraint or restriction within me against that but I, I certainly do at times you know when I'm just chilling or you know I don't know going about my day in flow yeah. when that'll happen yeah. and yeah. yeah so i think i know what that what what craig was getting at then because yeah when when you are under the influence of say alcohol i guess you are a little bit disembodied mm. you're you're uh, you know you're not attached you're not fully attached whereas that moment you were describing where you were walking along listening to music you were embodied mm. um in the moment 
and I wrote down here when you were talking about, oh, you was in your own world. You were actually in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. You were in that flow state. Yeah. Um, and I guess under the influence of alcohol, although you may feel like you're like, well, in this kind of like moment, there is an element of you that's disconnected. Whereas in that flow state where you are fully embodied, that is basically this idea of the present moment, which is what we talk about in yoga, which is I know what you talk about with with tapping into that that idea of playing in the zone. It's like being in the zone, being in the flow state, being in the present moment. Like the, the outside world is almost like completely separate because the outside world is, for the most part, is disembodied. The outside world is not connected. Their, their, their heads and bodies are not connected. Um, and yeah, I guess this has been the path of, of, and this is what yoga philosophy is all about. It's about finding the present moment by connecting the body and the mind. Because what I say to people is the body is always present. The body is always in the present. The mind is often elsewhere. So the path of, of finding union or yoga, the balance between the, 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 the body and the mind, is this path of bringing the mind back to the body. So we use tools like the breath. And, and music is another one, a powerful tool to help us bring ourselves into the present moment because sound happens in the present moment. So that, you know, in, in a yoga practice, there's often things like chanting the sound of om. Because when you make that sound, you delivering that sound and focusing on it means that you're focused on something that's happening now. Same as the breath. The breath happens now. You cannot breathe yesterday or you can't breathe next week. So when you anchor your attention on the breath, you're anchoring your attention on something that's happening now. So you're anchoring your attention on the present moment. And in that place of presence, you know, this is, you know, maybe we'll, we'll lead on to talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza. In the place of the present moment, time, space collapses or it, it, the, the rules change. Um, and this is where we, yeah, we find we're, we feel like, oh, I was in another world there. Um, and you come back into the, the three-dimensional reality where time and space plays by certain rules. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm having a conversation there. Oh, and my mind switched back into coach mode because I've seen this player that, you know, I've been coaching. So it's like, boom, that's that snapped you out of essentially the present moment and the flow state. Um, and yeah, and I guess, you know, maybe alcohol does, you know, it gets it gets you out of your 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 head in some level because the head is maybe so super busy during the week um super pressured super in that fiery energy maybe it does bring you kind of down from that um elevation um to some extent but you know coming back to to to, to that idea of being disembodied i think ultimately it is not a fully embodied experience being under the influence of alcohol. Um, yeah, and 
on the Joe's friends are interesting. Yeah, what you're saying there is very interesting. And yeah, of course it's not because what you were what you were saying there is essentially a lot of people's week, which was my week for a long time. What you just said there, the fiery in the head, da 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 da, and the alcohol can bring it down. Yes, that is what a lot of people's week is in your head, fiery awful during the week stressed with work with life with this that the other and then at the weekend the alcohol brings it down and people me included up until a few couple years ago you know that was me now I wasn't so stressed about my work back in my early 20s or my college before that or anything but there was an element of, yeah, there was definitely an element of it and the alcohol after a match allowed me to slow down. And it's interesting you mentioned that Joe Dispenza and for people listening before, we, we just briefly chatted about him. Both of us were interested. I shared on my story that I was reading his book and I have been interested in his meditations for a while. And it's funny there when you relate what I was saying in that when I was in my own world and then I saw someone that I knew and I went back into coach mode. You know what? I, it's funny you say that. And I go a level further. I didn't actually go back into coach mode. And this is deep, but I went back into being Brian Moylet. Because mm. when you're in the present moment and, every, and people who play rugby are, know this or everyone knows this. When you're in the present moment, you're not associating with the self, is that correct? Or sorry, yeah, you're not as Brian Moylet doesn't exist. Anthony Andrews doesn't exist. You're just conscious awareness. And that's what Joe Dispenza talks about is conscious awareness. And that person brought me back to the three-dimensional world. Like you say, I'm Brian Moylet. And once again, it's not that I wasn't embarrassed. I was just like, I was, I was very quickly brought back into Whoa, here, oh, here I am. I'm, I'm here on the street in Christchurch, and that's a guy I know, and he's waving at me. Do I know him? Yeah, I do know him. And I start, yeah, here I, you know, so that's all then, boom, straight straight away. And, and that's something that, that's the flow state, and it's beautiful. And that's what anyone who's played sport will know. It's that feeling, like you say, time and space doesn't exist. It feels like, time has slowed down or you just have no awareness of it and everything is great and you feel like anything is possible as well and mm. that can also happen if you're cutting the grass it can happen I don't have kids but I you remember having a little baby brother and like you say about um, being around kids and it's it brings you into that as well and or babies and mm. you can get it when you're washing the dishes like I said I got it when I was walking down a footpath and um yeah it's beautiful yeah it's it's it's, it's amazing that, that you had that insight because dr joe in his meditations talks about this idea of becoming nobody no thing no one no time um and that is in the present moment um and 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 yeah and i i guess that that is the place where you enter in this state of play um because yeah when you're say playing with a youngster 
you know, I, I was at a trampoline park with my little one last last week, and you know, I I felt like I was a little child again. The way I was bouncing on the trampolines, like I, I completely forgot that I was a thirty seven year old former rugby player that probably maybe shouldn't be bouncing as high as I was on the trampoline with my um, <laughs> lower limb uh, injury history. But I forgot all about that. I forgot all about that. I was so in that moment of play with this two-year-old that I forgot completely who I was. And, and, and we lost all concept of time. Um, and and I, I, I guess what also came to mind when you were talking there was you're so right. I think you said it on the podcast that, that, that we've done together on my podcast, the Post Rugby podcast, that that I that sense of being in that flow state, sportsmen, rugby players had every Saturday. And I think that's why a lot of sportsmen and women, when they retire, they find it hard to f- replace that weekly activity of being so absorbed in the present moment. Um, because especially with a game like rugby, there is, although there's a lot of downtime in terms of the ball going out of play, it's not like American football where there's like big gaps. It's like the ball goes out of play, but it's like you're straight into a line out or there's a knock on, you're straight into a scrum. It's like boom, 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 boom. You're forced to be in the present moment. And, and, and especially with a game like rugby, if you're not in the present moment, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get whacked or you're going to, you know, completely miss a tackle or, or lose track of, of where the ball is and and you're, you're, you're gonna you know be, be at a disadvantage for your team so rugby I think even especially contact sports really like force you into the present moment it's but but it, again it's that energy of fire force it's like whoa, like so trying to replace that when you retire and I think this is where uh, a lot of retired sportsmen get into things like CrossFit or MMA or, or like another kind of physical um, demanding sport that forces you into the present moment. Whereas I found yoga, which is still the same idea. Like you do a yoga class, you're completely in the zone. You forget about your body. Um, well, Sometimes <laughs> there's certain positions you get into in a yoga class where you you can't not focus on your body because it hurts, right? Um, because our bodies tend to be quite locked up and tight as rugby players. Um, but it's that same idea of, of building a practice, building um, these little moments through the week where you're practicing this idea of being in the present moment. And this is where I, I, I saw yoga in those early days a few years ago because one of my teachers was like this 50 odd year old man and he moved like 10 times better than I did and I was like in my early 30s and I, I, I saw this practice as something that I could do for the rest of my life now um, it's not something that has a shelf life like the game of rugby so but it still gives me that 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 sense of um, you know timelessness um, but without the you know the, the the negative effects i guess from the injuries from the, the the beatings from the you know the concussions the head knocks the dislocated knees it's 
it's a, it's a, it's a more of a, yeah, a gentle, loving way into the present moment than, right, I'm going to smash you. So you have to focus on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting in that another way, and I find it, you know, I do F45 and that's, that's very, like, that's kind of similar to CrossFit. It's kind of like CrossFit for people who are, um, I don't know, working in offices or something, or, you know, it's like 11, it's like 11, <laughs> and I'm not working in office, but it's like, it's like a, it's kind of like a softer version of CrossFit, but you can go hard as, don't get me wrong. You can go hard as you're just not doing Olympic yeah. lifts and that kind of stuff. You're just, yeah, it's kind yeah, of like without yeah. that, but it's funny. I find it, um, so peaceful in that sometimes there are savage cardio workouts and there's great trainers in there and they know I like to be pushed and they push me and sometimes then at the end of the workout I'll be lying in the in child's pose like what Muslims when they're praying to Allah are lying in that kind of position and I'll just be lying in it and I'll look at a little speck on the ground and I'm just so like we say conscious awareness because my body is so spent and my mind is so spent also actually that's it that my mind is so spent yeah. that i'm so exhausted that it's it's beautiful and it's peaceful you know and that's exactly what a yoga session is i remember the hot yoga sessions that i did in vancouver and the same place you get to and it's funny tying back um, to what you were speaking about at the start with how your feelings and uncomfortable, I forget the word you used, um, triggers, and those just uncomfortable feelings and emotions and all of that are, are answers for you that when examined, they give you answers. And when you sit with them and don't try and get away from them they're challenging but then when you look at them and understand why they're coming up then they can give you answers and a way in which i found this just a i'm always i'm always a work in progress and it's something that i you know only found you know find kind of found out about growth mindset about four, three four five years five years ago when a couple of years ago just I, I suppose I, I did have one in, in many ways when I was younger, but in many ways I didn't. And I'm just learning about it more and more. And one for me, which was huge recently in the last year or so, big work on, was being on my phone less. And don't get me wrong, I'm still on my phone more than I would like. It's still a work in progress. But I said to myself, I'm not opening my phone for the first hour of the day because I heard about the importance of it. And you have most willpower in the morning and it's just a great way to start. So I did that first hour of the day, didn't open my phone and it's so, so challenging. Watch that. Anyone try and not open your phone, but it's so peaceful. And we just, when we were talking about flow state, present moment, all that, you get that because once again, Dr. Joe Spenza speaks about your brain waves being slowed down when you're asleep, which they are from alpha to beta, I think. And then when you wake up, you're still, sorry, when you're about to go to sleep, you're in that, uh, your brainwaves are slowed down. And when you wake up, your brainwaves are slowed down. And that's where you get these incredible insights before bed. And just as you're about to drift off, just as you wake up, incredible insights. 
And that is because your brain waves are slowed down. It's you open the door to the subconscious and the subconscious has all the answers. I got one this morning just with with work with something and it just came to me. And anyway, to tie this up, um, yeah, putting away the phone, very difficult. And I've since gone two hours, three hours, four hours. And it's incredible. And I find that the second, you know, some, and I'll be in flow. I'm writing a new book now and just nearly done the first draft. It'll be a while yet, but I, I get into flow so easily in the mornings after F45, I come home, I don't even shower. I just sit there and get into flow. But after an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes three hours of flow work of writing, I'll then feel the, I'll be so at peace and then I'll want the reward of the phone and I'll feel like I deserve the reward. And I kind of probably do. Most would say, but the second I open that phone, it's not my, uh, just, it's no good. You know, I, I'm, I've become so consciously aware of it. That dopamine, I can literally feel it now. And, and then don't get me wrong. I'm two, three hours on my phone for the rest of the day. I'm not like, I'm not great, but um, yeah, I'd encourage anyone to try and do that. It's so incredible. So incredible. For me, I've just found it so good. And I think what you're saying about brainwaves there, um, just to link it to to that use of phone. If you if you think about how much information is contained within this phone, um, you know, even on one app, you go on Instagram, for instance, your brain is processing like a ridiculous amount of information, um, which is a very new thing for for our brains. So when the brain has got a lot of things to process, it's in this state called beta brainwaves. So the brainwaves, because there's so much information to process, the brain is moving at a faster rate. Um, the, the brain also goes into that rate when we're in sort of a stress and survival mode because it's processing lots of information to, to, to find safety ultimately. So the path to meditation and, and, and the process of meditation is shifting from these quick beta brain waves into an alpha brain wave state. Um, and it's that, that kind of, the, the one below that is delta and theta, and they're the states that you reach when you go to sleep, for instance. Um, and you're, you're, you're so right in that it's, it's these times between um, going to bed and waking up that we're transitioning from these slower brainwave patterns. For, so your deltas, your thetas, you're moving up in, say, in the morning, you're moving then up into more alpha. And then by the time you're fully awake, you're, you're back into processing mode, full beta mode. So it's, it's in these times that they say is the best time to meditate because you, you're already moving between these brainwave states. Um, so by focusing on, you know, even just closing your eyes and focusing on your breath, you're reducing the amount of information your brain has to process in that moment. So that immediately is going to allow the brain waves to slow down. So that's why at the start of a yoga practice, you often will close the eyes and focus on your breath for a few minutes, because what that's actually doing is A, bringing you into the present moment because the breath happens in the present moment, which we talked about earlier. 
but it's also starting to slow the brain waves down into this more kind of alpha brainwave pattern, which is a more relaxed state. And in that state, um, you can move, um, yeah, with a bit more freedom, fluidity, and you've got that potential to start opening up the body because the body's more relaxed. So, you know, I talk about this idea in 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 my um, in my course. I've just launched a, um, a four week flexibility course, and that flexibility is not about stretching. Flexibility is about this idea of letting go. And you can only do that when you're in a relaxed place. If you're in this kind of high beta thinking, oh, I want to force this, this muscle to stretch, it's not going to relax because it's in this um, elevated state. So by focusing on, you know, slowing everything down, slowing your brain waves down, focusing on your breath, reducing the inflammation that the brain has to process, um, you can tap into this more, you know, they call it rest and digest, parasympathetic nervous system. And, and in that place, the body can relax. And then that then um, allows the body to open up. And when the body can open up, um, they talk about this in yoga all the time. There's no, there is no disconnection between the body and the mind. You open up the body, all of a sudden, you're opening up your mind to new opportunities, new possibilities. And, and that's the, 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 the exciting um, you know, byproduct of doing a yoga practice, which most people think, oh, it's about stretching. Yes, it is. But it's more about stretching your, um, your mind and your, um, yeah, your idea of what's possible for you. Um, so, so yeah. And, um, yeah, I like this idea of no phones, and it's and and that's yeah really helped me connect that because yeah I think every single person on the planet right now our age is addicted to their phones to some level. You know, I I I am. I mean, I run an online business, and I I find it hard to put that phone down at the end of the day and be fully present with the family sometimes. And you know, I, I guess maybe one more thing to say on on triggers is we've noticed our little one become very interested in phones and screens recently and you know that is quite triggering because like oh we don't want them to have this relationship and be dependent on screens but that trigger of us seeing that in them basically points to something within ourselves that we need to work on um and and ultimately that is is what i help clients with is identifying their own triggers by um, noticing what triggers them within their, you know, closest relationships, you know, their, their, what triggers them when they speak to their partner, when, when they speak to their parents, what, what happens within their kids. It's just like, oh, if that's really triggering you, that's because potentially there's something within you that, you know, maybe needs to be addressed within yourself. And, and, and what I've found fascinating is, say there's something within a, my partner that triggers me, Instead of trying to change her, I notice what that behavior is, make an impact in changing that within myself. And as a byproduct, she then will start to change. So, you know, again, there's, there's, there's a big philosophy around how you change the world. It's not by trying to change everybody else, but it's changing yourself and, and being that example and, um, and, 
and yeah, the way the, the way you kind of find that level of freedom is is by you know finding these triggers. One of my favorite quotes that I often share with clients is is a Joseph Campbell quote: um, "The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek." So it's these dark places that potentially really trigger us. Maybe there's been you know some real hard things that have happened in your life, dark traumas you know, big losses, things like that, that, you know, still trigger us that, that, that by, by, by kind of leaning into those things and, you know, maybe getting some support to work through them things. Those are the things that give us the greatest level of freedom because it's those hard things that keep us anchored maybe in that past. And, and it's, yeah, coming back to the present moment, think a lot of people find it hard to find the present moment because there's still all of these anchors and attachments to past experiences that still hold an energetic attachment within the body um so so yeah look think like you know going back to what i talked about with that that um first meeting with craig is he helped me release some of that attachment to some of these emotions that i held from the past which then freed up my energy to actually be in the present moment and find that present moment. Um, so, yeah, again, I don't even know that was a question there, but it's um, it's so interesting when you, you just allow yourself to speak and, and things flow through you, right? It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny you say that, and uh, it's something I've found with podcasting and this and that when I started when you just say there it's interesting when you speak and allow things to flow through you in that when i started out with the podcast you might have had a similar experience but i would have had a lot of questions written out i would geez i'd know what you eat for breakfast you know and, and there's an element of of course you do need to um do your research to an extent but i wasn't allowing it to flow like you could talk about something and then i'll say and when you were 19 and this you know and it's just and that's out of um you know, that was out of fear because I was early doors, fear of making mistakes and all that. And yeah, the best podcasts I find when I what I do are when when there's a flow and I've literally just looked down at a sheet for the first time there about thirty seconds ago to jot down two notes in and it's we've been over an hour and yeah, very much in the flow. And yeah, when you were speaking there, a couple of things came to mind. I love that quote from Joseph Campbell, you say about the the dark cave having the key to the treasure chest. And a couple of ones came to mind for me. Um, Wayne Dyer, funny one. And this is, this is, was so true for me for a lot of my life too. It was that everyone else was, the reason things weren't great for me was because of everyone else. And Wayne Dyer said, I think it was him that if you think other people are the problem, you're going to have to send the whole world to a psychiatrist to get well. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> and it's so true. You know, it's like, oh, he did this, she did this, they did that, da, 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 da. And it's like, no, no, it's you. And another one he said was, like you mentioned with your wife, when you change, and, and this goes further than that, but, or sorry, your partner, but um, another one was, when you change the way you look at something, the thing you look at changes. 
and that's so true and the last one that came to my mind when you're speaking was um with this uh uh bringing awareness to uncomfortable feelings or like you say about the that's where the key is or you know to the treasure chest and spirituality like what does it mean or it's you know i was probably learning about uh, going within or you know and learn trying to learn more about myself five six years ago and i'm realizing what's a spiritual practice forever whatever but Eckhart Tolle has said a great one i only heard him say this recently and if anyone wants to become more spiritual or whatever whatever but he said that when bring awareness to those uncomfortable feelings and when you find yourself looking for advice to get away from it put a three minute timer on your watch and that is your spiritual practice so for me every day many times is to reach for my phone after i open it that first time many times i'm that I, I find that urge to reach for the phone. And most times I reach for it, or a lot of times I reach for it. For other people, it'll be, um, you know, to take a drink of alcohol or smoke with a weed or turn on Netflix when you said you weren't going to watch Netflix or order the takeaway when you said you were going to eat healthily. Or those are all the vices or smoke a vape or whatever it is or watch porn or whatever, you name it. You need to bring awareness in that moment to that feeling and you have to put a timer on it and that's the spiritual practice and it's so true and it's like anything it's difficult but it's rewarding going to the gym and working out it's difficult it's very difficult <laughs> but it's rewarding and you grow from it mm. everything is everything is difficult you know but it's rewarding you know nothing's easy to an extent Yeah, and that, the thing I um, wrote down here as you were speaking about that was this idea of distraction. We distract ourselves. Uh, like I love that idea of creating that three-minute space um, because in that three-minute space, you could potentially ask yourself, what am I distracting myself from? Mm. You know, and that question can be quite hard to answer if you know but other times that answer is not as bad as you think it would be um sometimes we you know distract ourselves create that busy busyness to ultimately stop us from looking in these caves um it, a distraction i wrote down distractions equals creating safety because the distraction um, ultimately leads you away from dealing with these uncomfortable things, um, these uncomfortable feelings, memories, whatever, whatever it is within the system. So by keeping you know, yourself on this constant state of getting distracted by you know, being busy, whether that's your phone, Netflix, drink, drugs, whatever it is, you're constantly just keeping yourself away from from these things that that you 
your ego thinks are going to be too hard to deal with in this moment. And, and, and maybe for the most part they are because maybe you don't have a safe environment where you can explore these things that are, you know, maybe in your, in your space somewhere that, that are start that are wanting to maybe come to light. So that this is where I think the power of having a mentor or a coach to, to, to hold a space for you to safely explore these things, especially if they're really hard things. You know, some people have dealt with big losses and big traumas, right? That it's understandable for you to distract. You know, I, I get it. Like, you know, so it's it's not putting an only judgment on that distraction. It's, it's bringing compassion to that distraction and going... Shit, yeah, I'm I'm going on my phone a lot because I, I don't want to deal with that loss or I don't want to deal with that um, you know, coming back to the the rugby player, that 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 loss of identity that I've had since re- retiring from playing. It's easier for me, or my body thinks, or my no, sorry, my mind thinks it's easier for me to just distract and not deal with that. But there's this 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 other part of you that's longing for you to be still for a moment to to sit with that discomfort. So, you know, set that timer and just sit with that, you know, that discomfort of, you know, is it being, I felt it myself over the last few weeks where I've been launching this course. I've been procrastinating going on my phone more because the idea of putting myself out there and, and, with a course that people are going to sign up to, 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 to watch me and to listen to me, you know, part of me is terrified of that. So that part of me wants to distract and not let that happen. But there's the inner part of me that's going and people need this and people are going to get a lot from this. This is part of your growth your spiritual development to express yourself to express your truth to share your gifts with the world so that part of me is going do it the other part of me that wants to keep me safe is going oh don't do it go on your phone procrastinate another day do it do it next week do it when the baby arrives do it when this happens do it when you're ready but it's like Right. The spiritual practice then is sitting in that conflict and, yeah, dampening the noise to, to, to probably both sides and coming into this place of stillness and balance and going and just pausing and just seeing what happens. And, it's, and, and I guarantee you it's not going to be as bad as, you know, maybe your mind thinks it's going to be. It's going to be potentially liberating because that's that's ultimately been what I've what I've gone through over the last five six years is is sitting in that discomfort and yes there's been times when really challenging things came up like on the Dr Joe Dispenza retreat some real deep trauma and healing came up for me in that moment to 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 sit with and it was hard it was upsetting I went through some major major emotions on that retreat. Um, but afterwards, boom, I felt liberated, boom, I felt so much more freedom, boom, I felt so much more peace and presence because 
there's this part of me that's not anchored and pulling me away from the present moment anymore. Mm. Not to say I'm sitting here fully healed, fully present, but there's a big, massive thing that's been, you know, just not completely dissolved, but it's, um, yeah, dealing with these things is, is uncomfortable, but, you know, I asked the question to my clients, is it, you know, what you're doing right now, the, the alcohol addiction, the, the inability to be present, the inability to connect with your children, that's pretty hard right now as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> like you say, I'm liberating for sure. So true. It is. And yeah, once again, I'm not sitting here this uh, Buddhist monk or anything either. But it's yeah it's it's when you do bring that um awareness to it and every day there's opportunities like i know for me every day there's so many opportunities always comes up and uh yeah you feel lighter and freer and it is yeah it's so worth it and it's funny when you mentioned about putting out your course and i find that um I see them myself too. Uh, I'll just start getting really busy and then I'll be like, I'll cook food. I always <laughs> go cook food. I always do it. And then I'll, I'll eat a bit of food and I'll eat it and then I'll get more. And then I'll be like, I'll have a bowl of weed mix now. <laughs> and, and then, oh, and then, yeah, sometimes then I'm too full and I'm like, sure, I'm so full now. I can't, you know, I can't do it. Or, you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's so annoying though, because like when you do build that awareness and you and you do start to kind of notice these things in real time, a it's it's it can be liberating, but b it's also like, oh man, I like can I not have a little break from from kind of looking at these things or <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like it is it is like you said a few times, it is a never ending process um, and journey because. You know, I don't think any of us are ever going to reach this complete enlightened state where we're like, you know, pure light and whatever else. But it's, um, yeah, but I guess the thing to say on that is like, it doesn't always have to be a constant work in progress. There's always work to do. But I guess for me, you know, if I could give any advice to anybody about this, maybe they're starting this journey is 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 to to find elements of play and enjoyment along the way with this journey because it can become a journey that is a constant looking for that you know I was stuck in it for a while I mentioned that quote about the cave I was like I'm I'm, once I found that next cave I'm like there's got to be a darker cave there's got to be a darker cave that I can find so it's easy to slip into that um mode of of constantly looking for these healing opportunities which again becomes another form of distraction mm. <laughs> in a, in a in a weird kind of way so it's um it's balancing again it's, it's this this word balance which you know i love which is is about looking at ourselves but it's also about being ourselves at the same time um so because again it, it can take you out the present moment by looking at these things but looking at these things helps us find the present moment as well. So it's it's a weird um, it's a weird kind of cycle. But yeah, I guess the the main point there was 
yeah, to find to find the fun, to find the joy, to find the people that you can share this journey with as well. Um, because you know, I've got groups that I connect with that we laugh about some of the you know crazy things that we've done and um, you know healings that have happened, things that we've seen in meditations. It's like, whoa! Like, have you ever seen this in a meditation? Like, have you ever experienced this? Has your body ever started like shaking in a meditation before? Like, bloody hell. Yeah, that's happened to me. Like, so it's, I think it's also really important to, 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 to have a sense of, um, yeah, community around you. So it, it kind of keeps you, yeah, keeps you sane, um, I guess. <laughs> mm. So this is why I think it's refreshing to, to have con- conversations like you, like former rugby players, and we can have these chats, like, you know, because, you know, I've been I've been at this for a while now, and it, you know I'm only now starting to find people that really resonate, and now I can go there with these things. Yeah, for a long time, I felt like I was going crazy and on my own in the rugby world addressing these things, and then you know people like yourself, and I don't know if you ever listened to Johnny Wilkinson's podcast. I am. It's amazing, like to have someone like him, like an early role model of mine in the rugby community, talking about these spiritual concepts and and interviewing you know, some of the people that I have read and learned from. And um, yeah, it's, um, I think, yeah, the, the, the rugby world and the rugby people are, are starting to maybe um, be a bit more open to, to, to having these um, conversations for sure. Mm. And I think, we'll wrap it up now shortly, but um, I was going on for a while, but I think, um, yeah, look, it helps you, it helps you overall you know it's like like we were talking about earlier the fire and you think that it's all about the fire but it's it's not and you know yeah just bringing more balance to it it's you're not going to lose the fire by not being in it all the time and that's something that you know can scare people or might scare people and i remember i went but when i after COVID went back to playing and when I was feeling really good and mentally, physically and went back playing in Canada and was playing the best rugby of my life, albeit at a lower level. Um, yeah, like I, I had very much awareness of this, but the, I was playing with a sense of wanting to explore my potential and wanting to just all the good things that came with it. Like, you know, like now I'm sure you'd love to play a game. Like I'd love to play a game now. Just, you know, there's nothing like it. You know, like anyone who plays, Mm. uh, who has played rugby at any level will know that there's nothing like it. And so when I went back playing, I loved that kind of stepping into the arena, being that warrior, um, doing that. And, you know, and then with my training, being disciplined and, and I loved all that. And I, you know, look, I loved, I loved, um, geez, I just loved it so much that last two years before I'd stopped the concussion. And that's, that's really when I started doing, when I started off here at rugby, when I started coaching players one-on-one, when I started at all, I was just like, wow. I felt like I had just cracked the code and I didn't understand that you could, that you could play so well, so consistently, enjoy so much just it was mind-blowing and um yeah i felt yeah i felt a bit of that uh 
understanding but it was about 10 years too late for me so i remember at first i was like the, the <laughs> moment i remember there's literally a moment where i was like fuck like if only i knew this 10 years ago jesus where how different would things be and it was just a moment and it was like you know i was at a place then i was whatever 28 20 28 probably and i was like look everything happens for a reason it is what it is and just like just redirect that energy into helping other rugby players so um, yeah yeah and i guess that's what that that's ultimately um what you're doing now right is is rather than you that version of you knowing this 10 years ago you're helping the younger versions of rugby players the the you know the school kids the young professionals whatever it is to help tap into these ideas and i think you know ultimately it's, it's what inspires me for sure i'm sure it inspires you is is that's why we're sitting here doing things like this right is so we can share this wisdom that we've acquired since you know not playing or or not playing for a while um and yes inspiring the the next generation of rugby player that 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 they can yeah still bring that fire but understanding that there's so much potential and power in the other side of the coin as well um so yeah no it's um yeah it's super inspiring what you're doing and i um yeah really appreciate coming onto your podcast today it's um yeah it's been definitely a uh a catalyst for me starting my podcast again earlier this year and seeing um yeah podcasts like yours out there and and, and having these conversations that, you know, two years ago when I started my podcast, I was like, nobody wants to hear this stuff. But yeah, so thank you for, for inspiring me to, 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 to step back into this, uh, this world. Oh, good, man. Cheers. Thanks so much, Mill. And I suppose, yeah, we leave it there. Um, so people can find you, Anthony, on Instagram at the rugby yogi for the podcast the post rugby pod and thanks for having me on as well a few weeks back and um yeah and then through your instagram i suppose is that the best place yeah instagram or, or linkedin I'm, I'm active mostly on those two channels so anthony andrews on linkedin or yeah the rugby yogi number four on instagram brilliant Cheers for listening into the pod today. If you're new to the pod, welcome. Be sure to check out some earlier episodes and subscribe wherever you're listening so that you get the new episodes when they're released. In my mid-twenties, I began studying the mind and that led me to playing the best rugby in my life and enjoying it so much all the time, like regardless of results. Whereas when I was younger, there were highs and lows and it felt uncertain, like I was on a roller coaster. But then, when I began developing and harnessing my mind, it felt like I'd absolutely cracked the code. Now I work one-on-one with players, and yes, I help you overcome challenges, and we do mental skills work so that you can consistently perform at your peak. But I also help you expand your mind and grow as a person. You know the way you often feel like you have more in you. You have more to express. You have more to bring. And it kind of gets frustrating when 
Yes, you're getting some results, but you know you've more inside you. I'll help you bring that out. Every single player that I've worked with one-on-one -on -one for over 12 months has made a team that they didn't think they could make in that time and or signed a new increased contract that way more than covered the investment that they made in themselves for the one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you're a player or coach and would like to learn more, head over to offfieldrugby.com now and book your free 30-minute Zoom consultation with me. Through this podcast, I want to help millions of people live happier, more fulfilled and more successful lives because I absolutely know that it's possible. If you want to be an absolute legend now and help me out, there's three things you can do. First is to share the pod. You can send it on some friends, share it on social media and simply just tell people about it. Second, you can leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. On Apple Podcasts, when you click into the pod, you can scroll down and there's an option to leave a review and up to a five-star rating. And on Spotify, when you click into the pod, on the left-hand side, you'll see a little star. You can click on that and then leave up to a five-star rating again. And third thing, lastly, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Those three things, sharing the pod, leaving a rating and a review and subscribing really, really help the podcast grow. Helps us help more people. So thank you so, so much. Please connect with me over on social media. Instagram is at Brian Moylet, at Offfield Rugby. LinkedIn is Brian Moylet. And any thoughts, questions, feedback, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. Thanks a mil for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. Be good to yourself, get after it, and I will see you next week. Cheers.